Tonight we are having a second talk by Dr. Alok Pandey on the subject of the integral yoga and other paths. Welcome. So we see that, uh, you know, it's quite in continuation with whatever we have spoken about uh, the spiritual experiment. And now we can enlarge the scene that the earth itself has been a scene of a grand experiment where the experiment of evolution has taken place. And this evolution, we find something very interesting that at the human level, suddenly the evolution takes a very interesting course. And that course is that of all creatures upon earth, human beings just don't like to stay in limits. As somebody says that make a rule and somebody will find a way to break it. Lawyers use it very well, incidentally. Any amount of rules and they find a loophole. It's, there's something incorrigible in man. And it's good that it is incorrigible. Something exists which wants to transcend boundaries and limits. And that beautiful line in Savitri, no more in earthly limits, pen, pen thy force. force. Exactly. Oh. So this process starts with human beings. We are programmed, hardwired for this. We cannot accept the fate to comply. You know, we are talking about conquest. It's one of the signs of our manhood. You see, every time I pass this uh, Ganesh temple and I keep telling people about it, look at this little elephant uh, or yeah. the big elephant. This is a pity, you know. She yeah. has no chance and poor lady is suffering, standing there, doing all these gestures, just amusing people, yeah. becoming nothing but a you know mock show. If she one day realizes who she is, everybody will be helter-skelter. But she stays... Helplessly as if, yeah. without chains, he's tied to chains, she accepts. <coughs> but with human beings, even if you put people in prison and chains, you know, Shubhinder wrote that wonderful thing about prison and freedom. Something in him will want to escape. And if he cannot escape outwardly, he will escape inwardly. And we have so many instances of people who within prison uh, had such beautiful, you know, revelation and of all of them, we have the grandest example of Shirobindo himself, yeah. who while in prison realizes some of the great truths of the yoga. In fact, the greatest truths of the yoga, not just some of the great yeah. truths. He had realized, uh, you know, the state of nirvana and silent consciousness. And he was already a Jivan Mukta. But there he realizes the great truths of the Upanishads. He often would, you know, um, recite this mantra. From the Ishupanishad, where the mantra speaks about seeing the one self everywhere and in all beings, and he had realized the truth of the Gita, where he sees the Narayana everywhere. So, at that stage, while in a prison, he realizes all these, all the past truths of the yoga had already come to him. And you know, one wonders after all this, what is it that inspired him to come to Pondicherry? He had experienced bhakti and the great truths of bhakti. In fact, his yoga had a great coloring of bhakti. He admitted that. Very often people think that, oh, Shirobindo was more like a philosopher. And, you know, first of all, people think philosopher is equivalent to Gyan Yogi. <laughs> Very far from Intellectual. that. Intellectual. <laughs> Intellectual. 
and um, when shurbindu was asked about his silent consciousness and nirvana experience you know what he says it came to me suddenly without much of an effort by the grace of the guru or the grace of krishna and kali if you like who could see the world mother in an idol without having a heart which is given to you know the creatrix so shirbindo had these lines of experiences which were coming crowding to him same thing we see in the mother but for the moment we'll just see shirbindo because their yoga has gone through very very similar lines towards the same end from the beginning shirbindo said even from the beginning so we see that all lines of spiritual efforts were crowding on to shirbindo as if they they were looking for their grand culmination now with the advent of man these efforts began because man is not happy he is always ill at ease he, there is no one law of human being that's why there are so many stratas of human beings almost like species within species within species within species unlike you know other creatures where there is a certain law in animal if is a non veg will remain non veg how much ever you may put a tiger in a zoo it will remain non veg and elephant with all his strength and the chimpanzee will always remain a vegetarian even though it can easily you know eat non veg and kill but with human beings this tendency to change to evolve to grow to exceed the limits and the final result of this tendency was entry into the spiritual consciousness a consciousness beyond mind of which the past spiritual efforts have witnessed the glory and documented it so beautifully but the problem of all these experiences were that if you really see that though they had actually uh, found the same one reality when they came to speak of that reality or communicate that reality because speaking is impossible for what transcends the mind we invariably find that there are several aspects as if each had glimpsed one side or one aspect of the reality describing the elephant describing the elephant i was just talking about in the mother speaks of the story of the kinshuk tree and which ramakrishna will just come to that but we see that each of them is speaking of an aspect and therefore it created many many cult sects approaches and further down religions philosophies ways of looking at the creator and creation etc etc Now, all these were interesting experiments important experiments each became a tradition when we talk about traditions religions sects etc each glimpse became a tradition in its own right where the tradition was sustained by a living lineage of gurus it flourished and thrived like you know the sikh gurus there were 10 lineages similarly there were mystics all over the world sufis and in india where this tradition even in christianity the gnostics it right. it remained as a living truth but the moment one of the last master was gone without leaving a higher apparent this tradition had a tendency to degenerate into religion because uh, very naturally the master embodies the truth which far exceeds the word or the book or the scripture then men had a scripture in their hands which they didn't understand how would a monkey understand the computer sciences and the poetry of you know <laughs> gitty and valmiki he is at loss but the scripture was there the word was there and quite naturally human beings kept on looking at the scripture and forgot the great vision behind it shubindu speaks of it that the scripture is a double edged weapon wielded rightly it can open a door 
but used wrongly it can you know destroy you look what is happening isis they could yeah they could mahmud quran yes jihad jihad is about inner fight and inner conquest do it by all means but conquering those who are non believers apply it to those parts which are full of doubt and it's wonderful apply it to the world at large outer world and you you finish it so this and then the pandits came in for the vested interest and so at one level there was complete degeneration during the time of coming of shirbindo of the great spiritual truths which had broken into many many sects subsects so much so that sects began fighting with each other we had the vaishnavas and the shaivites fighting with each other we had among shaivites two different types of shaivites and each said my realization is greater we had the bhakta and the gyan yogi at loggerheads who's is greater despite the great word of the gita when arjuna asks him who is greater the gyani or the bhakta and shri krishna says you know what arjuna i'll tell you a secret <laughs> both come to me <laughs> except that the bhakta comes in a delightful way because i travel with him or at least he is aware that i travel with him whereas gyani has to scale the peaks holding the rugged slopes and if he falls you know it's a terrible journey that he undertakes pantha duratya but he also comes to me now gita was a synthesis but as i said when shobindo came all these once living traditions had turned into petty sects subsects an odd master here and there but they too each carrying his own set of disciples in some kind of an isolated forest or himalayan peaks and the world at large plunged into darkness just before shirbindo to clear the ground as it were we see the mighty personality of shri ramakrishna paramahansa who comes and prepares the ground by showing in his own life and experience that look don't fight each religion and religious experience if you go just one step further you will enter into that state of unity where the differences will dissolve and he had done it not only with christianity and islam even with hinduism there was a point when he had to go beyond the image of kali and this was a very painful moment for him and he did it and he discovered the utter unity and he spoke about it he preached it and he knew at some level that even the world and god have to be reconciled that is why he asked swami vivekananda not to enter into nirvana that's the whole story but he had prepared a ground of course he was a child of the divine mother and with that ground that okay unity of religion not just tolerance but a unity of religion a unity of spiritual experience fine but for what purpose if the end is merger into the absolute then it all again makes no sense and that's where we see shobindo presaging envisaging as a precursor of the future a question which today people children raise and very often people come and tell me you know today's children they just don't follow any religion they have no belief in it so they are very disturbed about it and i have to tell them it's very good <laughs> it's very good their ground is getting ready for something much greater yes because what has it taught us at the end we have forgotten the vedas the upanishads and the gita their essence we have forgotten that real ancient spiritual pursuit even buddha the mighty spirit of buddha and what we have today religion as in or spirituality as an escape religion as a means for 
just safeguarding your personal life so and so god so and so master so and so deity will take care of my wealth my job my children that's the end of the story yeah. and what are these spiritual paths escape for myself what happens to world earth others it doesn't matter it's the same in the west everywhere everywhere, everywhere because you know this is the great degeneration which took place at least in the vedic ages we find an effort to reconcile even if it didn't succeed there was an effort at least individually to get illumination from that consciousness so that i can lead a better life look at the great uh, gayatri mantra where the rishi prays for illumination in the mind and of course shubindu gave a new gayatri where he talks about the whole being not just the mind look at the you know word of the upanishad we were speaking that day hiran mayena patrena satya sahi tam mukham give me the law of truth so that i may lead a life in tune with truth not as now attuned with falsehood and you know this line incidentally from the ish upanishad uh, yagnavalk the great seer who we see repeatedly reconciles world and the spirit ish upanishad shobindra has spoken of as the foundation for divine life and this famous line hiranmayena patrena satyasyap hitam mukham the face of truth is covered by golden lid yes. reminds us of this line in savitri where shivindo invokes the divine mother says oh wisdom splendor yes creatrix the eternals artist bright you are hidden there yeah. and come down upon earth he says he writes to champaklal on champaklal's birthday and he says a veil behind the heart yes. a lid over the mind. mind yes keep us from the divine yes. love and devotion rend the veil and in the silence of the mind the lid thins and vanishes yes absolutely so you know this grand synthesis shri ramakrishna showed the unity of religions and the spiritual experiences but the next step was the unity of spiritual experiences and life upon world now this was what was waiting for shurbindos coming and secondly the unity of not just all mankind but of all creation as a single unit marching towards the divine which is hinted in the ish upanishad hinted in the gita where shri krishna speaks of lok sangraharth he says arjuna why you should fight he says you are talking of spirituality that you know you would be cleansed of all stains of sin and you will find a good you know booking a birth in heaven fine but have you thought about this earth and its march towards a luminous far far off goal and he says fight for that it's so amazing shubhendra puts it so beautifully in essays on the gita where he says the answer of a hero to a hero realize this one self look around you where light and darkness are locked in a conflict and look above beyond the peaks towards which thou rises fight if by fight the world must advance either conquer grandly or perish nobly this kind of a thing was forgotten now this interweaving of the world and spirit together not just for an individual but for the whole creation this idea that earth is doing the yoga or rather divine is doing the yoga in the earth 
man or no man the earth will realize its goal this is another thing very often people you know miss out and the mother spoke of that you know whether the earth will be saved that is for sure whether the present civilization will be yeah. saved or not yeah. the mother has left this question hanging yes. and i can say nothing more nothing yes. better yes. so you see uh, we have a very anthropocentric view of life natural i mean like any other species we are egoistically attached to our own kind and we still talk only about being brothers and sisters to each other except in some quarters where people are thinking about this whole earth as one unit sometimes i view it as a great spaceship the mother spoke about that great ship yeah so i look at this earth as a great spaceship voyaging through eternity buckminster fuller called it spaceship earth yeah ah yes and that line in savitri earth by this golden superfluity both thinking man and, and more than man, man shall, shall bear. bear so you see the pilot of this spaceship is the divine and we are interconnected whether we like it or not there can be no isolated yoga which is cut off in cults and sects and limits there can be nothing like an isolated escape the day i understand that me and that and this and the bird the beast the stone the stars the drift of the galaxies and the dust which lies prostrate our feet are manifold expressions of the one infinite then where is the question of individual escape unless i regard myself as a separate individual entity carrying my ego into the infinite <laughs> where of course it smashes and there is some kind of a dissolution or whatever now this is something which shobindo has brought out very powerfully and in the forefront of the quest no more yoga for you know this kind of a my path but a yoga for the earth everybody does yoga not for oneself superman not so that i become a superman a great yogi everybody will respect me because i am superman among the first lot <laughs> no superman is needed so that earth may become a better place whether i become or somebody else becomes no problem at all mother herself spoke of that first in her prayers where she says how does it matter what place one occupies whether at the center or at the periphery she is willing to identify with the most ordinary consciousness and she says that 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 was a command given to her be like ordinary among ordinary men and she became that she came here and sat on the floor taught people how to sit in front of shirbindo would clean the floors herself despite being raj rajeshwari now this is you know this aspect where this sense of yoga itself becoming an elitist club which degrades into religion my religion i am the faithful few the chosen lot have a seat booked in heaven by the very fact of being baptized <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter baptized or initiated is the same thing others oh they are poor mortals mind you this exists everywhere in one tendency or the other i have seen it in spiritual movements in india where people believe that if you have not come to my guru you are lost 
and people came and talked to me that look you know mother and shivindu are not there so you are not initiated technically by a living master so do you know that you know unless you are initiated by a living master you cannot find a place in the beyond so unless you accept jesus you are doomed <laughs> exactly the same tendency so i had to tell them look i am not looking for a place in the beyond then they were quite confused <laughs> what are you looking for <laughs> and so much so that one you know as an aside uh, somebody even asked me he said okay i'll tell you what is the difference between having a living master and not having a living master i said look okay what do you want to know so he gave me he asked me a uh, cryptic phrase from one of the lines of one of the masters he said can you tell me its meaning so just by mother's grace i told him the inner meaning now this was a meaning safeguarded within the four boundaries of the sect so this man spent a sleepless night how did he know it so he came next day morning no i want to know how you know surely you have met somebody i said trust me i have not met some in fact i started wondering what's so great about the meaning <laughs> to me it was nothing so great you know to be so closely safeguarded now, this is what is shubindu has broken or tried to break us free from this tendency he has generalized the yoga to become a yoga of the earth look at mother in the agenda saying even cats dogs trees are doing mm. yoga yes and often ready to take birth in the absolutely yes yoga is a concentrated evolution so when we look at that and look at these hints are there in ancient indian thought where you know rama's yoga takes the form of carrying the earth together you know carrying the animal the low the monkey everybody together the rakshasa towards that culmination so i keep telling people that you know there is a uh, outer communism which is uh, a great distortion of a true socialism which is from vedanta the divine socialism rama is a prototype of that now shubindu brings that so beautifully to the forefront look at the ashram it is a commune commune where people are supposed to live without this sense of pride and i am someone special i belong to an elite group all together it was there even in some other traditions like in sikhism you have the langar the guru's langar everybody sits together and eats without sense of pride but over a period of time there is a tendency to degenerate and what shubindu did and i think what he is doing still is breaking all forms of external kind which may once again create a tendency to make a kind of a limited religion it obviously is a movement a dangerous movement it has its own plus minus it will go through its own but in the long run if i really look at it it has its own place he is not destroying the religious tendency which is a different thing this love for god worship devotion faith this is the most beautiful values or treasures of mankind without it man would be no more man but a violent asuric kind without love in his heart without faith without worship but at the same time to limit this worship in some fixed forms in some limited space in some small group in some set of rules is a tendency which must go to keep that essence like the golden grain and to remove the other things and this is what we see in children they are learning to connect in a way in ways 
I mean, after all, it's a spiritual evolution to start with. Let humanity as a, as a bulk, as in large masses, enter into the realm of the spirit and learn to lead a life with a conscious awareness of the oneness which is behind creation, which is behind earth, with the spirit of yagna, that there is an interdependence of everything and all is meant for all. Now, this tendency is coming up, you know, speaking of the earth is flat. Mm. But who could do this, fulfill this tendency? It was that consciousness which has either stood behind or been just an executrix. And we spoke about that the other day, that whenever there is a time for such a transition from the old to the new, there is a need for the feminine, the dynamic side of the divine to step into the forefront. Yes, That is the mother. Aditi, the undivided consciousness. Even lower nature is she, but she in garb, she wearing tattered clothes, she wearing a dress which is not befitting to her glory and yet she wears it. How the mother came and stayed in that you know hotel and in Karaikal, even in a place infested with white ants and rats. But that's not how the Divine Mother should be. So even lower nature is she, but she in garbs which are not worthy of the spirit. So very often when people say all is mother, so they say, well, I should live by the spontaneity of my nature. Well, that's again a misuse of an ancient truth. Because spontaneity of nature as as of now is simply the vital, mental, physical nature, which is largely under the influence of the falsehood. So in ancient tradition we see Freedom of the spirit, but nature continues to remain the same. At best, sattvic modification, even the eightfold path or the Gita. Gita says that inwardly your soul will be free. But when you act, you have to act under tamas, rajas and sattva. So it bids on to Arjuna to you know, cultivate sat, rajo sattvic qualities, which are also the devic qualities, the godlike qualities. But inwardly, by constant remembrance, you will be free. But Shurabindo goes one step further. He says, no, nature can be changed. Now, this is something which has never been heard of. (laughs) Our mind can be illumined with a plenary, supramental light. It can be filled with a consciousness that is unwalled and unpartitioned. Our hearts will no more love simply this person or that person because my ego takes a preferential interest. Not even merely humanity, but extend to embrace whole earth, the titans and the gods and the stars and everything else. Even the body shall remember Remember God. God. This taste, the body, which has been totally discarded. So this liberation, not just of the individual soul, which was a thing achieved by the great yogis past, but liberation of nature. Not just a fulfillment of the soul. Vedanta, by the way, speaks about evolution. So, again, uh, there is a common misconception that, you know, Shiobindo picked up certain ideas from Darwin and spoke about evolution. This is total misunderstanding of the whole phenomena. It was good that Darwin came on the scene and introduced the idea of evolution. But in India, evolution already existed through forms. In Tantra, there is this, uh, you know, they speak about 84 million species through which the soul migrates and transmigrates to arrive at its fullness. So it's an evolution through forms. But the emphasis is on 
the evolution of the little spark inside not the evolution of nature though it is taking place evidently but it's not emphasized reach up to this point of man where eventually the soul is developed to a point where it can catapult into the infinite but shubhendra says no why if the inner soul can mate with the infinite this finite mind this finite life this limited heart these limited passions this errant will this very body which is so fragile can also mate with the strength the light the joy the beatitude the love the freedom the power of the infinite so wonderful we'll stop this part today and take it up maybe next yes. time